can take a seat. Fantastic. Well, we are. We're, we're delving into an, yet another week of Do You Even Bible? And it's where we, uh, we're we just going to keep on digging into some of the stories of the Bible, and especially the stories of, uh, of life with Jesus and what that meant. Um, I, just, I just believe that every day a Christian can know God a bit better. The truth is because He is so massive. Um, and and I, I think if, uh, if, you can wrap, if you think you can wrap your mind around the size of God, then there's two problems with that. Uh, number one, you're too big to need a God. And uh, number two, He's too small to actually be one. Um, so the truth is a God that can speak the world into existence, but yet be so personal and loving, is beyond our comprehension. His ways are higher. Everyone say His ways are higher. It's going to be hard for me to actually all the time be able to understand every thought. And this is one of the things we're going to delve into today is realizing sometimes God's ways do not actually work according to my plan, according to my timing. Uh, we've got, I'm going to go through things that are not anything that I would ever choose to go through. But truth be told, in the end, God works all things together for good for those who love the Lord, who are called according to His purpose. As we delve every Sunday into the Word of God, my prayer is for you, uh, and that's every person here today, is that you would know God more. Here's the interesting conundrum with this kind of deal. In this room, there's people that have been Christians longer than I've been alive. Hands up if you think you could be in that category. Oh, I've got a couple. I've got a few. Oh, let's see. Steve Bustle. You're not that old, surely. Oh, wow. Anyway, uh, <laughs> There's some cheeky people in church here today. So, but there's also people here, and it might be your first time. There's people here, and you've got maybe some religious notions of what the Bible says and does that maybe need to be unlearned. Maybe there's some situations which have actually, maybe it was an interesting situation with a person that might have affected your way of seeing how church should and could operate or your role within it. Um, there's people's different expectations, people's different um, experiences. Some people here today are doing brilliantly and others have had a rough week. So in the middle of all that, my prayer for you is that you would know God. If you know God's plan for you, you know that He wants you to go from strength to strength. You might think, well, I don't, I don't have too much strength right now, but the strength that you do have, the breath that you do have, God says, I want to give you more. I want to give you more strength. Hey, with what you've got right now, the resource you've got to get through what you're currently going through, God wants you to have more of that. God wants you to go from strength to strength. The book of Daniel and chapter 11 says, those that know their God, everyone say, know their God will be strong. How good is that? Now, it's nice to have some physical strength, especially if you're the father of teenage sons. It's awesome to actually have a little bit of physical strength occasionally because I'm sitting there thinking, I realized recently, if my three teenage sons did decide to turn on me, I might not be able to handle them. I might not be able to. I'll hurt one of them well. Anyway, <laughs> you're all wondering why Joel continually goes to the hospital. It's because his brothers pick on him. It's true, isn't it, Aiden? Yeah, it is. So that's really what happens. So, uh, but, but the deal is, like, a bit of physical strength is good. But the truth is, there's an internal strength to follow God no matter what. And I tell you what, that's important at every season. Your every season, your every turn of life. And as the world changes... We get to shine a light. Where there's more darkness, we get to shine more light in Jesus' name. So I want to know God because I want to be strong despite the challenges that are going to come my way. And I don't just want to know God because I want to be strong. The Bible says those that know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. 
And so today, my prayer is that you would know God more. That's our prayer every single Sunday service, every youth service that happens on a Friday night, is that people would know their God because that's the pathway and the avenue towards strength and the great exploits where the world's going to see how brilliant God is through Christians shining a light in Jesus' name. So with all that said, what a great preamble I've given you. I wouldn't laugh, but it wasn't that funny. I'm serious. That was really good. We are going to delve into John chapter 11. So if you've got your Bible with you, you can turn to John chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, you could download one on your smartphone. If you have a dumb phone, don't worry, we have a Bible that will uh, appear behind me. Or maybe you could get an analog one. We do give those away. You could see someone at the yes desk. Whatever happens, there's a Bible available to you. And don't worry, there might be someone next to you. They might even give you theirs. They're probably that generous around here at Good Life Church. So just hand it over. Just grab it out of their hand. So that's mine now. Anyway. John chapter 11, we're going to dig into this. Now, we're going to go through this slowly because I think too many people read the Bible too quickly. I'm reading it like I used to read an English novel at high school. I just want to be able to get through it so I can tell the teacher, yes, I've read it. Did much go in? Did I comprehend much? Did I think much about the plot thickening or the thick plotting? Uh, did I think about the character development? I don't care about character development in a book. I'm if there's, if there's a movie, if there's a book, it's there to entertain me. I don't want to think about the plot thickening or the character development. Just entertain me. That's what, Hands up those that believe that is the whole purpose of entertainment. Hands up those that really love the plot thickening and the character development. We'll pray for you later. <laughs> I can say that my wife's not here. She's ministering at our Foster Sun Curry campus. She definitely loves to not just see the plot thickening and the character developments, but then she loves to talk about it after the movie for at least three hours to me all of a sudden, I find myself very tired, <laughs> sleepy. Anyway, so we're going to delve into this and work out, well, well, what's God saying? If I need to know God, well, how is God going to lead and guide me through knowing Him better so that I could be strong and do great exploits? John chapter 11. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother, so we don't get mixed up with any other Mary. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now that's John, the author of this, writing about his escapades with Jesus. He wants you to know that the Mary mentioned here is the one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Subnote is that that happens in John chapter 12. You're like, isn't that happening later? Yes, it is, but he wrote it well after this. He's like, just letting you know, this is the pieces that don't get it mixed up with a different Mary who might be the mother of God. So uh, this Mary poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. All right. Now I need here today, because we're going to open up with the word of God. I need some actors. I need a Lazarus. Can I have a Lazarus anywhere? Uh, any Lazaruses? Here, any volunteers for Lazarus? Yes, you. Yeah, up you come. Hello, Lazarus. Everyone say hello, Lazarus. Just then, he, he looks sick, doesn't he? Either that or he's got stink eye. You know, he's woken up on the wrong side of the bed. You'd never do that, would you? Now, a man named Lazarus, you would, um, was sick. You were from Bethany. So we're here currently in Bethany with sick Lazarus. Poor Lazarus. Everyone say, oh. You going to be okay? Do you want another cuddle? 
Yeah. <laughs> Why are you laughing if you're sick? Um, he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. All right, we need a Mary and a Martha. We've got a Mary and a Martha. Here they come. Let's give it up for Mary and Martha. Oh, looking, looking lovely. Fantastic. Now, which one's Mary? You're Mary. Hi. Now, you're not Mary, the mother of God. You're Mary who is in chapter 12 going to like pour out and then the hair going to wipe it up. You're good for that. You're ready, but not this chapter. You're, pre- you're kind of thinking that it's coming though, right? Got it. <laughs> okay. Showing fists. This is getting a bit... Anyway, getting intimidated here. Um, and then her sister, Martha. So you guys are sisters. Do you like each other? Oh, this is lovely. What a lovely picture here in the Bible. See, if we didn't do this, you wouldn't have realized it's such a loving family. Now, you guys are all family, like with Lazarus. You, you love Lazarus? Come on, group hug. Oh, hey, come on, everyone. One, two, three. Oh, this is so nice. Hey, but girls, Lazarus is sick. <laughs> Poor Lazarus. All right. So now, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick? So you've got to be laying. Paul Lazarus is, just check if he's breathing, quick check if he's breathing. Um, this Lazarus now lay sick. Is he good? Is he breathing? He's still, okay. It's a bit iffy right there. Um, yeah, no, it's a bit of CPR. No, don't do CPR. It could actually affect his chest. Poor kid. We'll have to send him to hospital again um, for the seventh time this year. Um, so, um, so Lazarus now lay sick. So the sisters were like, well, this is getting worse. He's getting sicker. He's now laying. He was previously standing. Now he's laying. He's now, we're not quite sure if he's going to breathe. We're going to do CPR on him. Check. Oh, wow. It's not going well. So the, the sisters, they decide to send word to Jesus. Now, you can't email. Um, you can't, uh, there's no Facebook. There's no Instagram. There's no instant messenger. So we need to get some snail mail. Can we get some snail mail ready to go? Okay, bring it here. We're gonna, oh, good thing we've got Australia Post. It's going to help us with that. Okay, so we're going with some snail mail. So um, they said, the sisters sent word to Jesus. Now, this is what you're going to say. Lord, the one you love is sick. You got it? Yeah, hurry up. Come on, we've got to get this going. We've got to get this going. Right, fold it up, stick it in the envelope. We're good to go. Poor Lazarus. Why is Lazarus smiling if he's sick? Don't smile, Joel. Don't smile, Joel. Don't smile, Joel. He's smiling. Thank you. It says, for Jesus of Nazareth, priority mail, urgent. Now, because it's priority mail, Australia Post guarantees in one day. But if you didn't, if you didn't do priority mail, it could have been three days. Right? Ish. It still might not get there, no matter what you put on the thing. But that's what we're going to do. Look, I'm going to get, I'm going to get it off to Jesus. So you guys just keep on taking care of him. Um, you've got it. Hopefully, he's still breathing. Check the pulse occasionally. That's going to be fine. Right. So we're going to keep on going. When he heard this, Jesus said, "All right. So I've got to get this letter to Jesus. Do I have a Jesus? Everyone, give it up for Jesus." What a lovely beard you have, Jesus. The last Jesus that came with a beard like that had glasses. You've been miraculously healed. Yeah, sure. Nice. Um, so when you heard this, here you go. Here's the mail. 
Uh, that's, now, it's a day journey, just FYI. So sick, day journey, off he comes. Eventually get the letter from Martha and Mary, open it up. You like these guys, your friends. Yep, sure. Um, so he opens it up. So read it. Uh, D Jesus, please help. Lazarus is dying. Come quickly, Martha and Mary. We're good. Okay, we're sure. Okay, so when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness that I'm hearing about in this letter will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. So that God's Son may be glorified. That's you. Um, your Jesus may be glorified through it. We're pretty good with that. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. We're good mates. We're good friends. Um, so there's a great friendship there and a, and, a, and a love friendship. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What are you thinking? Now, here's, just stop right there for a second. I, whenever I read something in the Bible, I go, that's odd. I think I've got something to learn. There's, something, there's, there's a lesson in there for me to stop and to listen and to work out what's God trying to show me about who he is and how he operates. I want to know God more. I've got to stop at those things that are difficult and go, well, God, I, want, I need to know you. What's your intent? Here's the deal. Jesus is not at all stressed at this point. How many times when I'm praying for a miracle, I'm praying for God to meet my needs, I'm stressed and I'm praying that God picks up on my stress and deals with it at the time frame that I would like. I would really like God to come through at my time and answer the prayers in the way that I would like. Am I the only person that feels that way? No. It's, okay, thank you. I've, okay, there's some other humans here in the place. Fantastic. But Jesus is not at all stressed. It's not just he goes, well, look, this sickness is not going to end in death. Now, the whole point is, if you read through, the, and we'll get there in a second, Lazarus actually dies. So Jesus knows. And you're going, yeah, but, but, but we kind of, if you've read it before, you'll go, it doesn't end in death, though, does it? So Jesus is getting a bit picky on his words, a bit of semantics about what's really happening. It's not going to end in death. It's going to go through some death. And you're thinking, I'm thinking, Jesus, I don't even want to, like, I appreciate it doesn't end in death, but I don't want to even go through some death. I am not at all interested in going through a death experience. This is not going to be fun. This is not going to be enjoyable. The death or the sickness that leads into it. And Jesus, where the flip are you while I'm sick and while I'm dying? While the thing that I'm praying for is going downhill. And Jesus, what are you doing? Not only does he say, I'm not stressed and this won't end in death. He says, so when he heard, Jesus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days. And not only did he stay there for two more days, he stayed there for two more days doing things that weren't good enough to be listed in the Holy Scriptures. You'd think like, well, maybe if you are like healing some children. Maybe if you're like, there was the woman with the two mites and we're going to like recognize that amazing lady. And like, maybe if it was like, Mary's going to be pouring the oil on your feet to anoint you for burial. Maybe that'd be worth it. But nothing that happened in those two days was good enough to be listed by John in the Holy Scriptures. So what's Jesus up to? I reckon he's chilling back on the couch. So therefore I need a couch. Do we have any couches, please? Bring up the couches. I reckon Jesus is on the couch 
Thank you. We've got some disciples here. Can we give it up for the disciples? Not only the disciples, but their furniture carriers here. Nice work. I reckon Jesus is not just on the couch. I reckon he's playing the Xbox. Um, what are you into? Is it FIFA? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear that's easy to beat Josh Pettigrew at FIFA. Um, not that I've played. So, so the boys are pumped. This is great. Not only do the disciples are, are great furniture removalists, but they're, they're, they're backing Jesus. They're with Jesus every step of the way. We don't know. What, oh, there's a, there's a phone call. No, it's not a phone call. Um, so here's the interesting thing. I found out that in every test, the teacher is always silent. In every test, when I'm going through something, if I'm in the middle of a dark day, I've never found there's a whole lot going on that helps me navigate it. But you know why I'm in a test? I'm in a test because God trusts me that I'm going to get through it. That he's put enough in me already. That the relationship that he's already got with the people going through the test is enough to get you through. That you have got enough of knowing God that you could be strong. That you've got enough of knowing God in your heart that you could do some great exploits. And so what's Jesus doing? He's not playing Xbox. They didn't have it back in the day. Don't think that. But what is he doing? I don't know. But all I know is it's not good enough to be listed in the scriptures. And there's some people that are actually in the middle of some quite large emotional turmoil. Where's God when I need him? Sometimes he's got a bigger plan that I don't see because all I see is the problems that are around me. All I'm seeing is the struggle I've got with my finances. All I'm seeing is the battle I've got with that family member. All I'm seeing is the mental anguish I'm going through. All I'm seeing is the bills racking up. All I'm seeing is the health problems. All I'm seeing is the struggle with my boss. All I'm seeing is the struggle with my employees. All I'm seeing is my lecturers carving me up for my faith. All I'm seeing is trouble wherever I go. And in the middle of that, where's Jesus? He's got a bigger plan is all I know. We don't know if he's playing Xbox, but all we know is that it's not actually listed what he's doing. But he does say these words, the sickness will not end in death. No, it's all for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, he's about to say to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Um, But what happens at this point? In verse 11, after he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. So he's telling his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But if I go over this way, it's actually an analogy that Lazarus is not asleep, but he's dead. So Lazarus, being dead, gets dragged off to a tomb. And so because I've got two ladies trying to get the young man up there, I'm going to help him up a little bit. And Joel's going to act slightly undead for a minute and stand to his feet so we can drag him off. Just pretend like that didn't happen. Like a zombie. Put your hands out like a pretend like you're a zombie. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Now lean back. Jen's gotcha. There we go. It's like the walk of the living dead. Over here. They're upset. They're dragging him along. Good thing that Joel doesn't weigh much. And they stick him in a tomb. Now this would be the perfect time for a pastor who loves a prank to just shut the door and just lock them in that'd be a bad thing to do. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to unlock it so they can get out at their convenience. So while Jesus is saying these words, 
Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go there and wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, here we go, disciple number one, if he sleeps, um, let me find this. <laughs> You're such great acting, you took my breath away, Stephen. Um, <laughs> Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Who loves a good sleep? Who needs, who needs a nana nap? Who, who's the type of person, if you, if you like sick, I'm the type of person, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm crook at all, if I'm sick, I don't want humans to come near me. Hands up those. My wife is not that person. She's the person, if she's sick, she wants TLC. Hands up those types of people. You want someone to cuddle, you want someone to come in. Here's the deal, I'm, I'm a really bad nurse. When my wife's sick, I'm like, you just stay up there and when you're better, just come back down the stairs. If you need anything, please let me know. If you don't, then don't bother us. We don't want to catch what you've got. She would love some TLC. And at that point in time, I've got none to give. I've prayed, Lord, help me. But he hasn't yet. I feel like I'm Lazarus dying here and he hasn't actually come to my aid. I want to help my wife, but I don't feel my heart move in that way. That was a joke. I do try. It's clunky and it's awkward and I'm terrible, but I do try. Um, we're back to you, Steve, with your acting. Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Now, it's obvious. You're going to have a rest. You're going to get better. Come on. Lazarus is going to be great. So don't wake him up. If he's fallen asleep, Jesus, what are, you, what are you doing? Isn't it amazing? In the middle of Jesus coming up with what's leading towards the answer, the disciples are like, mate, you're not getting this. We actually want to contend with Jesus' way because his ways are higher than our ways. But yet I'm like, Jesus, you've got this wrong. Forgetting the fact that he's God and I'm not. Forgetting that if I can know my God, I can be strong and do great exploits. I want to follow what he's saying right here. There's a faith inside Jesus that he's trying to spread. Guys, this is not going to end in death. And if you can hold on in faith, it might look like some very dark days. And everyone's got their own dark day story. But in the middle of a dark day, let me just tell you that Jesus is saying this won't end in death. Come on, God is going to be glorified in and through you. You're going to get stronger. People are going to, this, there's going to be the answers of God come through in your situation. God says, I'm on your side. All things work together for those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purposes. And the disciple says, look, if you let him sleep, he's going to be fine. And Jesus is like, boys, you're just not getting it. Are you idiots? Yes, they are. Okay, sure. So then he told him, Lazarus is dead. Actually, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And then Thomas, before you get to even go anywhere, Thomas comes up with these words. Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of his disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. This is a serious statement. And here's where if I was to stop, I'd go, how many times have I, in the middle of a dark day, when it looks like everything's gone wrong, do I have some really weird responses that totally miss the answer that's right in front of my heart and right in front of my eyes, which is the Lord Jesus Christ? How many times do I blame someone else? And right since Adam and Eve, when we're in a pickle, you know what we try to do? Blame someone else. Adam says, Lord, it's the woman you sent me. Eve says, oh, it was the serpent that deceived me. In the middle 
of actually a moment where God could come through and our hearts could be enlightened, how many times do we put up a smoke screen and go say something weird that reveals actually the struggle in our heart? And I've got two options at that point. Do I throw it back to the boys and just go, like Thomas says, and go, okay, let's just go and die with Lazarus? Or do I go, Jesus, I'm really struggling with this right now, and you are the source and supply of my faith. What is my choice in the middle of my dark day? And your dark day will look different to mine. Yours will play out differently to the person beside you. But in the middle of that, you can say things, you can do things, and you can react that reveal the struggle in your heart not being brought to Jesus, or you could just bring the struggle in your heart to Jesus. I find that difficult. And I've got a feeling I'm not the only person in the room that does. Thomas came out with an odd statement. We normally know Thomas is the guy that doubts when Jesus comes back from the dead. Unless I put my hands in the side and feel that, I'm like, I don't want to put the hands in no side of no person with... Like, Thomas is used to saying weird things. (laughs) Thomas is odd. I think Thomas is included in the disciples because Jesus wanted to have someone to laugh at. That's why I've got James Thompson on my team. On his arrival, okay, guys, we've got to head this way. We're coming back over this way, guys. So on his arrival, so we're coming back over here. The girls have been crying. We're coming back over, heading back in. Now, this has been one day to get the message across. It's been two days of Jesus playing Xbox. It's been one day of walking all the way back. This is now four days. And what we find as Jesus rocks up is that Lazarus, his friend, is dead. Could you imagine how weirded out Thomas would be right now? Talking to the lads. I told you, he's dead. We're going to die. It's going to be bad. There's going to be Draculas and vampires. And chill out, Thomas. But on his arrival, he didn't say that. Uh, Jesus found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Girls, you've got to come and say, so what happens? Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Come out, Martha. Come out. Come out. But Mary stayed at home. She's just crying. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same same again, going, God, you didn't arrive on my time. You were meant to actually do what I wanted you to do, forgetting the fact that Jesus is God and has a higher purpose and doesn't work with our sense of timeliness nor our sense of stress. He's got a bigger plan and a purpose. And in the end, God's going to come through on your behalf. If you'd, not, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. At least in her angle of what she was saying, she's got a bit of faith. I know that he would have been made well. But they've not seen anyone come back from the dead yet. So they're thinking, now he's dead. This is all over, Red Rover. All they've seen is people be made well who were sick. But this is next level. And you and I know... Not only does Jesus have the ability to be able to raise people from the dead, but yet he, in the end, actually raises from the dead himself. We know he's got that, but poor Martha. I nearly called you Mary for a second there, but that's your sister. And she's the one with the hair and the, yeah, okay, sure. But you're Martha, right? But Martha's like, come on, at least she's got a bit of faith. going, you could have done this. And her eyes are about to be opened. Um, but I, now, uh, I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother, he's going to rise again. Martha answered, 
I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So they're talking about the end of the day, talking about one day we're going to go to heaven. So she knows that in the end of the end, like, so one day when we get to heaven, it's all going to be okay. We're going to be like angels on clouds playing harps. It's going to be amazing. But like, I don't know if I trust you to deal with what I need right now on planet earth. I know that I'll get to heaven and that's fantastic. But can we trust God for what we need on planet earth, even if it looks like it's a dark day? I'm trusting you, God. Will you come through with me? And we go, yeah, well, it's going to be perfect in heaven. But currently I'm facing some imperfection. But yes, God has got your best interests at heart. I know he'll rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me, they will never die. Do you believe this? Martha says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. Quick, go and get Mary. Come, come, come. I'm in the way. I'll get out of the way. Call Mary over. Mary's still crying. She's not dealt with it. Oh, no. There's lots of tears. She's a good actress. Um, um, the teacher is here. She said, and is asking for you. And Mary heard this. She got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village. You're not quite there yet, Jesus. You're on the outside. It's just over there, right? Where the, where the pot plant is. That's where the, um, the village is. Still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, notice how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her. So we're just going to pretend like people were coming with right there, okay? Supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Yes, it's a familiar position here. Um, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35 is the smallest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Now, that's going to help you one day win a trivia competition. But outside of that, why does God put the smallest verse right there? It's to let you know of just how much Jesus loves his friends. Just how much. And he knows, he knows that Lazarus is going to, he knows the end and the beginning. But yet he, alongside his friends who are mourning, joins his tears with theirs. Even though he knows in the end it's going to be okay. So when I'm going through my times when I'm crying and Jesus knows all things are going to be okay, can I trust him that he's right there with me? Can I trust him that when it doesn't look like he's there with me because I need God to come through yesterday, can I trust that Jesus, through this scripture, is showing me that he is not just by my side and walking along going, come on, mate, you'll get there. Stop crying, you sook. That he's going, you know what? I love you, and I hate to see your heart turned upside down like this. I hate to see you struggling like this. You might be going through the most wild adventure that you would have never chosen, but yet your heart, see these girls, they came running to Jesus. If you're the type of person that says, I know that God is faithful and true, and I'm going to come running to him no matter what the darkness of the day looks like, Jesus says, I'm with you, not just walking alongside you. Come on, you soot, get up. 
that he says, come on, I'll be your friend. I'm going to feel what you feel because I'm your friend. If I can stop and every time realize that Jesus is my friend, that he knows where it's going to end up and he's got actually a whole lot more faith, he can see it, that even when I struggle, it'll turn around the way that I see every dark day, every struggle you've got with that person at your workplace, every struggle you've got with your health, every struggle you've got when you try to fit in, every struggle you've got with that person, you've been praying for them to come to Jesus. You've been inviting them to church for a long time. And you've been, can I just say, if there's 372 people that have said yes to Jesus across Good Life Churches this year, you can clap at the 372, but there's people here that are heartbroken that you've been inviting that person so many times and they've not come. Can I applaud you today for inviting and praying and inviting and praying in a dark day when you felt like they're never going to come? Can I say you're a hero? Not only are you a hero because of your consistency, you're a hero because you, you haven't seen the end of the story. To have, you haven't had the encouragement of the end of the story yet. Can I say thank you for your faith? Can I say thank you for your consistency? Can I say thank you for your prayers? Can I say thank you for shining a light in the dark spaces? Church, can you put your hands together and thank my friends? I did ask you to clap partially for the simple fact that I've got a phone in one hand and a microphone in the other and I can't clap and it's terrible enough when preachers try to clap slapping their arm but that was really awkward so thank you for clapping on my behalf then the Jews said see how we loved him all right well we need a Jew okay we've changed he was a disciple now a Jew now the Jews said see how we loved him but some of them said okay now a disciple now a Pharisee I like it could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Quite articulate, this person in there. Could they not have? Unbelievable, isn't it? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. Go over this way, Jesus. Come this way, Jesus. Over here. There's the tomb, remember? We locked him in there. Came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. So I'm about to send the boys to go and take away the stone. Why does Jesus, stop right there. Why does Jesus say, take away the stone? You won't see the end result that what God has got for you and your life and for your future unless you deal with the stone walls around your heart. While they're up, while you're still unforgiving, Jesus makes it very clear. How can you receive forgiveness from Jesus when you won't forgive others. When you realize what you've been forgiven of, when I realize what I've been forgiven of, I can forgive Jace Ward for barracking for the Parramatta Eels. It's a big sin. And I hope Jesus can forgive him, but I actually have to as well. I can, I can let go of that grudge. Why do I need to roll away the stone? Because behind that stone wall of my heart, behind that is a miracle that I've been praying for. And while that stone wall is up and while I refuse to get involved and while I still isolate or while I still judge or I still look to win a fight instead of winning a friend, when I still react and when I'm still feeling like I'm rejected, when I'm still pushing people away, 
or when I isolate because I don't want the confrontation. Some people blow up and some people clam up. It's still a wall. It's still a stone and it needs to be rolled away. And Jesus doesn't roll away the stone because that's my job to say, Jesus, I want this stone gone. And I look at that unforgiveness and the way that I react and I go, I don't want to be that man. What's the man I want to be? I want to be the man that forgives and loves. No matter what that person said or done to me, I still love them. Am I going to open up my world so they can do it again? No. But I'm certainly not going to live like everyone else has done that to me. So I'm going to roll away the stone. So he sends the boys, go and roll away the stone. But just, oh, sorry, just for the do it. Martha said, but Lord, the sister of the dead man said, by this time there is a bad odor. Now we do know that Joel Conant is in there and we do know that that kid has a serious foot odor problem, but this is not that kind of odor. He's having a laugh behind there. He can hear. It's nice to have a dig at your kids occasionally. He gives it to me a fair bit. There's a bad odor for he's been there for four days. The old King James version of the Bible, translation of the Bible, says at this point, Lord, he stinketh. I love that. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And as they did it, Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you. You've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen. Okay, stop there, buddy. You don't want to fall off the front. And a cloth around his face. You're a good looking dead kid. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let them go. Now, there's a couple of things going on right now. Number one, could you imagine the surprise of these girls? Could you imagine the thought of going, why did I worry so much? What was I doing? Why was I thinking that? Why couldn't I trust God? I think it's human. I think it's natural to struggle with doubt in the middle of a dark day. But it's what you do with that doubt that really counts. And in this story, these girls took their doubts straight to Jesus. So in the end, what happens is when they bring their doubts to Jesus and Jesus comes through and it's not on their time and it's not the way that they would have picked. But yet, could you imagine the life change for these two? That's not just something to write home to mum about. That's something to write in the Holy Scriptures of the 2,000 years we're still reading about. And Jesus says to them, all right, you love your brother? Now take the grave clothes off. So along they come. They're going to take the grave clothes off. As they start to unravel, this, ladies and gentlemen, is the whole point of where we got to with this whole story of going through the dark days and trusting God when something's dead that you hope never would die, when you still bring your doubts to Jesus. This is what they get to do. They get to unravel the grave clothes. Why can Jesus raise someone from the dead but not pull back the stone? because that shows me I've got to get rid of the stone wall around my heart. That's not for Jesus to do. I've got to bring that to Him. Why does Jesus say to the girls, can you unravel the grave clothes off this kid? It's because we get a chance and an opportunity to help people come from death 
to life and be a part of the process of seeing them unraveled from their garbage. That person you might bring to church, that person you might bring to faith, that person you might pray for, they might come to church and put their hands up and say yes to Jesus, but the job doesn't stop when I bring them to Jesus and they put their hand up. The job continues when we start to go, what's that death that's wrapped around your life? Let me help you with that. And the discipleship process is about me realizing that my first, my next steps with Jesus are all about helping someone else unravel their grave clothes. It's not just about my grave clothes. I don't want to be that selfish. I'm here to be selfless and to help someone else. And so my discipleship is not complete. I don't know God unless I am strong and do great exploits. Here's the greatest exploit that you could ever hope for is not to see them come to life because that's not your job. You call Jesus in for that. But He goes, will you unravel the grave clothes of someone that's gone from death to life? Will you be the one that says, you know what? I've got a friend who struggles with this area of, my, of their life and still be involved when they reject you because their grave clothes hold them bound. Will we be the type of people that doesn't just see Jesus bring dead people to life, but bound people to be set free to live their best life in Jesus' name?